0: What would be one of the best concerts that you have ever been to? Maybe you're a musical person. Maybe you've been to a lot of concerts. What would be the best concert that you've ever been to? And kids, if, if there is a band that you like, maybe you would want to take this as an opportunity in your, in your worship journals, in your bulletins, to maybe color a, a, a large band uh, that maybe you like, so you'd have like a, a couple of singers, or a drummer, a guitarist. You know, feel free to draw your, your favorite band. and I'd, I'd love to see those pictures after the service. So for me, one of my most favorite concerts that I've ever been to was back in 2005. You were there, and it was awesome. It was, uh, it was a band called Sigur Ross. Does anyone know who Sigur Ross is? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, clapping, okay, cool, cool, great. Emily, I don't know if you were a huge fan of cigarettes. You were okay, great, super. So this concert, it was, it took place at the Auditorium della Musica in Rome, and it was with my sister. The, the two of us had been backpacking throughout Europe. It was an awesome moment. And and I like I said, as I kind of alluded to, I know that music music's not really for everyone, but I love it. It's awesome. It's just this very like symphonic, sort of like dreamlike melodies with these like beautiful, elegant, just progressions. It's just, it's super, super beautiful. And the space that we were at, it was this outdoor amphitheater late at night. And so we got to listen to this music under the canopy of the stars. And it was just so gorgeous. And then visually they had erected these massive sheets that went up into the sky that they had projected things onto. And so it just kind of felt like we were sort of sailing through the stars. It was just listening to this sort of Dreamlike kind of music. It was really cool. And my guess is if you were to share some of your favorite concerts, they would also have these like otherworldly sort of transcendent elements to them, uh, either because of the talent of the musicians or the type of music that it is. But I think really good music, really good artistic expressions like that have this otherworldly transcendent nature to them. Now, put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that concept in a minute. So what we're going to be doing starting today for the rest of the summer is we're going to be preaching through the book of Ephesians, Uh, our Anglican lectionary, which a lectionary is like a Sunday schedule of what what scriptures preachers have, but it has us going through the book of Ephesians for the rest of the summer. And so I thought, hey, this will be a great chance to dive into Ephesians because Ephesians is this beautiful book where it really portrays what the culture of Christ and Christ's church ought to look like. Ephesians is a culture-building book. And so we're going to be starting off on that today. So we're going to be listening to this sort of symphonic choir, this beautiful chorus, this concert of praise that we have in today's passage from Ephesians 1, starting from 1, going to uh, verse 14. So this is written by the Apostle Paul shortly after, um, or in, in the first century. And he's writing this from a Roman prison. And at this time, the Christian new movement is still very small. This is a, a very fragile movement at the time. And the message that Paul is preaching is, is viewed as undercutting Roman society. Jesus is Lord is what he would proclaim. Not Caesar is Lord. Everyone has access to God, Paul and the other apostles in the early church would teach Regardless of whether or not you're a Jew or a Greek, male or female, slave or free, they were teaching the radical message that all had access to God. So this was a message that was undercutting of Roman culture. You're, you're sort of um, taking pot shots at, at culture itself and who, all the way from the top to the bottom. So elsewhere in the New Testament, people get really upset with Paul. And you might remember what they say about Paul and the others who are preaching this message. They say these people are turning the entire world upside down. And so now Paul finds himself in prison for these things. He writes these remarkable words of this letter of praise. One scholar says that the prose and the themes of this rhapsodic adoration is comparable to the overture of a symphony. So if we slow down and if we pay attention to this, if we have an ear to hear I hope that today we can see the elegant and the sophisticated concert of praise that is contained within these verses. But how is it that, that an old man, wasting away in prison, the leader of a tiny, suspect religion, could write such epic, cosmic words like the ones that we just heard? You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, says Paul. You are known, chosen, seen, and loved by God, he tells the church in Ephesus. The Spirit of God is with you, says a man who is in chains. So it's it's one thing for modern musicians like Sigaross and others, with the latest technology, the latest training, the latest teams at their disposal to produce this transcendent experience in an outdoor Roman amphitheater. I think it's far more impressive for a seemingly failed old man waiting for his death sentence. To compose something as glorious and cosmic and praiseworthy as this concert that we hear today from a prison in Rome. This is something that is just awe-inspiring. But what about us? Well, a lot of us have been in a prison this last year plus, haven't we? In fact, I've been talking with a couple of you before the service about uh, that very fact. We've had a terrible year and a half. Your situation very much may have been feeling like a prison desperation, just out of being um, isolated for months on end. Some of us have lost loved ones, people who are dear to us, either to this disease itself or some of the effects of it. We've been in a state of despair, especially here in the cities, of a lack of justice and peace. We've been fearful for our own safety and security throughout this last season. So it does seem like in many ways we know some of the elements of this prison-like existence. Well, in today's passage, God has for us a transcendent concert of praise and healing and hope. This is a song of purpose. In Jesus Christ, Paul tells us, you can go from prison to praise. Praise the Lord. So I would like to walk us through this. I've got three observations to pull from this passage. And I think that we can carry this musical metaphor, if you bear with me. I think that there are some musical elements to this passage that I'd like to pull out. So first, God tells us, us, through the words of Paul, about God's cosmic plan. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So God the Father is the grand composer that we see throughout this passage. Every single one of the, the phrases within this grand sentence, the subject matter is God, all the way throughout it. God is the one who blesses you. God is the one who chooses you. God is the one who, before the world even began, destined you to be his sons and daughters in his household. It is God who has lavished you with his grace and with his his blessings and his goodness. Furthermore, there will be a day in which God will unite and restore all things unto himself. The Father is our grand composer, like the composer of some kind of cosmic symphony, God is carrying out a plan to rescue us, to adopt us into his household, to restore all of creation back into the full completeness of his perfection. So what does this mean? What does this mean for you and I here today in 2021 in Minneapolis? Well, it means that you have a place in God. You have a home in God. You have a purpose in God. You no longer have to wander through this world in loneliness as an orphan, isolated, alone by yourself. He's given you brothers and sisters who you're sitting here today with as the family of God. He has a place for you. God has rescued you and placed you in his family. But second, you also have a purpose in God. Our culture tells us that you exist to be comfortable, to to please yourself. Our culture tells us to follow your heart, to you do you. In fact, it's even written into our American constitution, the pursuit of happiness is one of our basic rights, is what we're told. In other words, culture thinks that you're the best place to find purpose for your life is deep down inside of you. Well, the Bible says otherwise. The Bible says that the human heart is deceptive. The Bible says that if you follow your own desires, you'll never quite ever be satisfied, that we will always fail in trying to achieve that pursuit of happiness. But the Bible tells us is that when we are rooted in him, when we are rooted in God, our purposes are rooted in him. Our purposes are rooted in a a cosmic restoration of all things. What greater significance, what greater pursuit is there than that, than to find your your purpose and your place in God? So our Father in heaven is our grand composer. So I don't know if you heard this, but all throughout this passage, we hear this resounding, resounding chorus. More than, depending how you count it, you hear Christ's name, between four or between 10 and 14 times all throughout this passage it's you're in Christ you're in Christ you're in Christ over and over and over again you are blessed by Christ you're adopted through Christ you gain hope in Christ you hear truth in Christ and then my favorite is in verse 7 in Christ we have redemption through his blood redemption what in the world does that mean that's redemption's not really a a word that we use that much—it's kind of a churchy word, right? Well, I think it kind of—it makes me think of this story, and I've—I've I've shared this story uh, with some of you before. So, a couple of years ago, Molly's bike was stolen out of our garage, and actually, I was speaking with someone else uh, earlier before the service whose car was stolen this week, and so you can probably resonate with this a little bit. But not only was Molly's bike like super awesome, it was just. When you hopped on it, you just like gli like glided uh, across the streets, but it was a graduation present from her parents, so it was super sentimental it was It was beautiful, it was a great bike. Molly loved the bike very, very much and so when someone broke into our garage, hopped on it, and carried it away into the distance, never to be seen again, we were totally heartbroken like we felt violated by that it was terrible. Well, a few months passed, and we heard that molly 's bike was at a pawn shop just up Chicago Ave. We're like, all right, we're gonna go and we're gonna buy that thing back. You know, who cares whatever the price is of this. We're gonna buy it back, we're gonna purchase it. We're gonna rescue this bike. We're going to redeem this bike from the pawn shop and we're gonna bring it back home. But unfortunately, by the time that we got there, the bike had already been sold. Wah, wah. you know, big, big bummer. Well, some of you, my friends, you have had things stolen from your life that are much more valuable and significant and important than a bike. There's things, there's aspects of your heart or parts of your soul that perhaps have been um, hauled off to a pawn shop for a cheap buck. Years of your childhood were perhaps stolen by an abusive or an absent parent. Or perhaps a colleague at work has betrayed or belittled you resulting in serious setbacks to your reputation or your career aspirations. Maybe a romantic partner took advantage of you and just robbed part of your dignity from you, and you feel like a piece of you is missing and scarred because of that experience. Or maybe in a moment of desperation, you yourself went to the pawn shop and you gave over a piece of who you are in order to fuel bad habits, and ever since that, you sort of carry these regrets with you. And all of us have stories like this. I have stories like this. You have stories like this. None of us here are probably exempt from that. But we walk around as incomplete, scarred, wounded people. Well, I I have good news for you. You all have been redeemed by the riches of Christ. He has brought back, he has bought back every piece of your heart every corner of your imagination, every bit of shame you carry around as a part of your soul, all of that has been claimed by Christ, by the power of his cross, by the payment of his very life. That's what it means that we have been redeemed by his blood. His pure, perfect, worthy blood has paid for us so that we have been fully redeemed and that we are welcomed into the presence of the father because we have been clothed by Christ. And so our resounding chorus that we hear here in this passage the resounding course that I hope is a, a part of who we are as a culture, as, as of, of our church, that we are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That is who we are. That is what our identity is. So thirdly, in verse 11, we read this. We read in Christ, there it is again. But in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. We've been gifted something. We've been given something. And then down in verse 13 and 14, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is what? He is a guarantee of our inheritance, a guarantee of our inheritance. Well, a lot of you know this. We are not going to be an outdoor church forever. Uh, as beautiful as this is, as, as lovely as that music is over there, uh, we're not going to be an outdoor church forever. Uh, Restoration has recently purchased a building, which we're like super excited about. And a lot of you were there yesterday cleaning it out and did a remarkable job. I, I popped in there uh, yesterday afternoon and like, this, this thing is transforming and it's scary, awesome, and cool. So thank you for all of you who spent hours polishing this diamond. So anyway, leading up to the closing date, which that's when the ownership transfers is at the closing date. That's when it's ours. And we've already passed that. Uh, So thankfully the building is ours. We do own it. But leading up to that was a super anxious time for me and for others. Because we knew that there could be other things that happened that could just make the whole deal fall apart and crumble. But we got really excited because several months ago, leaders from their church, leaders from our church came together and they signed a purchase agreement. And that purchase agreement was a legal document that actually promised that that closing date, that that ownership, that 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 was actually going to happen. And so after the purchase agreement... Uh, was composed and written, which several of you put in a lot of hours into that seek and purchase agreement. But whenever I thought that, that, was, that this whole thing might collapse, I pulled up the purchase agreement, and I was like, this is our guarantee. This is going to happen. You know, we are, this is legally obligated to happen. There will be a day in which this transaction will happen. Well, friends, there is a day in which God is going to give all of us, you and me, brothers and sisters, something that is much more incredible and awesome and cool than a building. God is going to unite all things to himself. Heaven and earth will be united. All tears will be wiped away. All darkness will go away. All uh, instances of disease and pandemics are going to be pushed aside. And God is going to remake all of this. I have no idea what this park is going to look like in the new creation. For So not only are ourselves going to be redeemed, but this creation is going to be redeemed as well. But until then, we have a guarantee. We have a purchase agreement, if you will. We have a promise from God. And it's not a document. No, it's his very spirit. It's his presence. It's his voice that he has placed within our hearts in the waters of baptism. That is our guarantee. That is our seal is the Holy Spirit that one day all things will be made new. So when you are brought into the household of God, he places his spirit in you. Now returning to this metaphor of music that we've been using, the Holy Spirit harmonizes with us. He's our harmony. He comes alongside us. He comes within us. He comes around us. And through his counsel, through his comfort, through his teachings, and through the peace that he gives us supernaturally, we are made more and more into the likeness of Christ himself this is the Holy Spirit among us. And don't you sense that when we gather here as we see our brothers and sisters face to face? Don't you sense the the power of the Holy Spirit and have this this foretaste of joy that one day we'll sense in, in all completeness, we'll experience in all fullness? That's what that is. That's the power of the Holy Spirit among us. So throughout this summer, we are regathering our community. Last week was a really emotional, powerful day because many of you we haven't seen for a really long time. So our gathering, our community is being regathered. We're rebuilding our ministries, things that have been dormant ever since March 2020, like our, our um, post-communion prayer ministry or serving the, the wine and the juice instead, or in addition to the bread and, and other ministries that we're so excited to rebuild and reinvigorate. And we're also refreshing a building, we're refreshing a home. So I think in all of these things, God is preparing a a sacred space to lift up his name and to worship him and to give thanks to who he is. God is calling us out of the various prisons of our world. By his purposes, through his redemption in Christ Jesus, by his power in the Holy Spirit, he is turning this community into a concert of praise to his name and in his glory. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, this has been a troubling year and a half. And some of us still even feel, even right now as we sit here, like there's just shackles that are bound to us. So Lord Jesus, I pray that um, by your power and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would unbind us from those things. May you miraculously take off those shackles from us that we might sing your praises, that we might follow your direction, that we might harmonize uh, with with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Not just for our sake, uh, for our sake of restoration Anglican, but for the sake of all the neighborhoods that you have placed us in. Lord, we are so excited for the future that you have set before us. Please, Lord, um, just be with us and um, allow us to experience you more fully as we step into these next several weeks and see this season. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray all of these things, amen.